0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Well, it's always good to be honest when you're up here, right? <laughs> so, you know, uh, I got asked re- just very recently to speak this, and I've been, I'd be honest with you, I've really been struggling to find what, to speak something. Um, sometimes it comes easy, and sometimes it's like, you know, and I think it was in the book of Daniel when, you know, he's praying and it was just bouncing off of heaven, he said, you know. And I felt like that when I was putting together or trying to say, God, what do you want me to talk about this this morning? And uh, so it's been a little bit of struggle on that end. And then this morning while I was finishing up my notes in front of the computer early this morning and and uh, I, I coughed. And last week we were playing basketball and... Uh, my good friend Michael somehow punched me or something in the back and bruised one of my ribs. And when I sneezed this morning, I I literally couldn't breathe. <laughs> so, so um, I don't know. My wife says, "Well, God must have something to say." So he's the devil's trying to keep me from up here, being up here. I'm not sure if that's the case, but uh, anyway, I'm here and uh, thank the Lord. And I'm just going to share a couple things that God's laid on my heart this morning. Um. You know the Bible talks about this—the the little foxes that destroy the vine, right? You know, and as we go through life, we pick things up. We got all these things that are around us, the, the world that's in, trying to influence us and work. And sometimes it's very easily—it's very easy. And I think that's why we're warned in the Scripture that we got to be circumspect. We got to pay attention, because. Um, it's just those little things. Sometimes it may not seem that big. It may seem like a minor thing, but if we're not careful, we allow these things in our lives and sometimes they become things that we start to live by. And even in um, modern day Christianity, there's, some, there's a lot of things out there that are, that are being spoken and talked about that, that aren't the whole truth. They may be parts and p- bits of it, and it's easy to be convinced that they are the complete truth of God. So we really need to be circumspect and watch and um, be vigilant in our Christianity and in our walk. Um, so I want to just talk today a little bit about being on duty. Being on duty. You know, duty is a word that we don't like to talk about too much because it kind of seems like it's a responsibility. And But we are on duty as Christians. And it is it is our responsibility responsibility as Christians to make sure that we guard our hearts and guard ourselves. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let's start there as an op- opening scripture. <clears throat> this is uh, Solomon talking at the end of his reign as king, at the end of his life, after he had, you know, he in the beginning he had pursued God with his whole heart and then we know he drifted away. He followed, you know, he married all kinds of strange women and followed after their gods and they kind of coming all the way back around to the end, and he talks about the conclusion of the whole matter. He, t- you know, he talks in the book of Ecclesiastes about, "This is vanity, and that's vanity and pursuing this and pursuing that." And just he comes back and he sums it all up in verse chapter, th- or chapter 12, verse 13. He says, "Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man." So he's saying here that we have a duty, we have a responsibility. Duty means that which a person owes to another, that which a person is bound by any natural, moral, legal obligation to pay, do, or perform. Obedience to princes, magistrates, and the laws is the duty of every citizen and subject. Now how many consider themselves citizens of the kingdom of God? Subject to the king of kings, right? So if that's the case, we obviously have a duty here to fulfill. Can you agree with that? Amen. Alright, let's flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. Again, we're talking about duty and uh, things that are come along with duty. Obedience and submission. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. So just because we come and we're, you know, we're baptized, we repent, we're baptized, we receive the Holy Ghost, doesn't end there. There's a continuing process going on, right? We need to continue in them, continue in the doctrine. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So I don't see here that once you're saved, you're always saved. It says you need to continue in what you've learned. You need to continue down the path that God, the course that God has set you on, Right? We don't just come to God and we're saved by grace and we go do our own thing and we're, we're good to go. Um, but we have to continue in this faith and continue in this thing that God has directed our steps on. Uh, when I was thinking or studying about this and thinking about this very recently, since I was asked very recently <laughs> to do this, but um, Daniel, Daniel kind of popped in my mind and in the book of Daniel chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 18, we know that Daniel was a foreigner in a foreign land, right? Nebuchadnezzar came with his great army. They seized Jerusalem and they carried off. They carried off all the all the princes and all the the uh, people that had any kind of gifts, and they kind of left a remnant back in Israel that basically the nobodies that they didn't want to take with them. But all the people that were, you know, kings and importance and uh, men that were of understanding and um, People that were scribes and, and uh, scholars, they were taken to Babylon, and Daniel happened to be one of those, along with we you know the the other three Hebrew children that the Bible talks about in the Book of Daniel. But Daniel, in verse number eight, says, "Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat." So Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the Prince of the Enoch that he might not defile himself. Now God <clears throat> excuse me, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the Prince of the Enoch. And the Prince of the Enoch said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord the king, who hath appointed me, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse, liking than the children which are of your sort. Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. And then Daniel said to Melzar, who the prince of the Enoch had set over Daniel, Haniah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let they give us pulse to eat and water to drink. So we know Daniel, he, they ate what he allowed them to do it, excuse me, and um, ten days later when he looked upon his countenance, he saw that, you know, their countenance was better. But my point of this here is Daniel was a foreigner in a foreign land. You know, we are foreigners in this world, the Bible says. We're just ambassadors of Christ. We're just passing through, correct? We're not, we're not here to live, we're not here to stay. Our, our home, this is not my home. I'm just a passing through, as the song says, right? <laughs> and Daniel was not in his home. But he had purposed in his heart that even though there was distractions of Babylon and even though it would have been very easily just to uh, succumb or, sub, or you know to what the the how the Babylonians did things or the influences of the Babylonians you know they do things this way, this is how they eat, he could have very easily said, well, this little bit's not going to hurt me, or that little bit's not going to hurt me, you know um, it, maybe the meat was offered to idols, maybe it wasn't, but I don't really know, so I can eat the king's meat because. You know, as long as it's not pork, I'll be all right, right? You know, but he purposed in his heart, and he said these things. I don't know that it has or has not been offered idols, so I'm not going to partake of those things. He still, even though he's a foreigner, he purposed, and he, he, uh, he knew within him that he, was, he had a duty to God to live and to abide by certain things, even though he was a foreigner in a foreign land. Salvation requires us to be steadfast, Or remaining true to God, which does not happen by accident. It involves faith and it involves obedience. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7 says For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So, you see here that the Bible talks about regeneration. It's not by works of righteousness, but God started a process in you and he started a process in me. A process of regeneration. When we came and we, we submitted unto God and we, we repented and we were baptized. Uh, regeneration means uh, reproduction or the act of producing anew. In theology, the new birth Regeneration in theology means new birth by the grace of God that change that change by which the will and the natural enmity of man to God and his laws are subdued and a principle of supreme love to God and his law or holy affections are implanted in the heart. Now we know the Bible talks about that he's going to take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, right? And we know that the word of God that's why it's so important to be here to hear the word of God because when the word of God's going forth it takes root in our heart and God is regenerating our heart. He's taken out that heart of stone and he's given us a heart of flesh. So when we hear and we receive the word of God, that process is continually going on. God is constantly re- regenerating us and renewing our heart. He's trying to repair that which was lost when Adam sinned in the garden. So if that's constantly happening and God's regenerating and there's new growth that God wants to happen in us, we got to be diligent and we got to be dutiful and knowing that we're pursuing God and watching out for these things so that process can continue to take effect and continue to happen in our lives. Uh, If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 through 20. Um, So we're saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 17 through 20 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled, man, a lot of big R words here, regeneration, and now we're on reconciled. Does anybody know what reconciled means? Anybody want to, reconciled is just basically restoration. He is reconciling, he's restoring the world onto himself, okay? So he's renewing our flesh, he's putting a new heart of, of in us, and he's he's restoring us unto that relationship that he had with us, that he desired to have with us from the beginning. So let's continue reading on. He hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, who hath given to us the ministry of restoration or reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, restoring the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation or restoration. Now then, we are ambassadors so once we are restored, we become ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled or restored to God. So <clears throat> the sacrifice of Calvary does the reconciliation, it does the regeneration in our lives. That starts the process. But it's also, uh, do, it's also upon us to ensure that that process c- continues on and continues to happen. Okay. Again, we're, I'm not saying that we're earning our salvation, we are saved by grace, but, but it's something that we need to take serious and something that we need to be diligent in handling because God wants to do a work through us, in us, and he wants to change us. We're no longer that old creature, we're a new creature in Christ, amen? James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25, if you want to turn there. Um, I'm just going to read it, I think it's up there, right? Maybe not. But um, anyway, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity, whatever, of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Again, receive with meekness the engrafted word. The word of God goes forth. It it takes root in our hearts. It's able to save our souls. Why is he saying it's going to save your souls? They're already saved, aren't they? Is James already writing to a bunch of people that are saved? So we need to receive that and Grafted word. Keep on putting that word of God in us. Keep on pursuing Christ as he pursues us. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's an that's a interesting one because it's very easy to be a hearer of the word, but sometimes we don't do the word, right? <laughs> we find reasons I, I tell my wife, we always find reasons to justify to do the things we want to do, right? If you really want to do something, well, I, you know, maybe this or maybe that. or Because, you know, if, if I really want to do something, oh, is God going to really be that man if I did that? I mean, it's not really sin, but, you know, it's maybe not, how did the Bible say it, expedient, you know? But we can find reasons to justify to do the things we want to do, even if maybe they aren't healthy or... Pushing us in the direction that we need to be going. So we not only need to be doers of the word, but we need to, or hearers of the word, but we need to be doers. For if any man, or if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You know, I kind of think of, you know, Maybe we forget what we looked like when we were lost in sin. You know, maybe as a Christian, or as a new man, as a new creature, we look ourselves, behold ourselves in the glass, hey, we're doing all right. Hey, I'm, I'm where God wants me to be. I'm, I'm doing all right. And we forget where God has brought us from, what manner of man we were, that God has brought us out. He's cleansed us, He's done the, he's done the work in our lives, He's made us that new creature. But whoso looketh into the heart, into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. How many want to be blessed in their deed? So we hear the word. The word is planted in our lives. And as part of the regeneration process, the word should be changing our heart, again, from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, which is what God is desiring to do in each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. But there is an enemy out there and he wants to keep this from happening. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 through 9. It says be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So the devil wants to do his part to keep us from arriving to our destination. We have to remain steadfast. A person who is not going anywhere cannot be hindered from arriving. Right? (laughs) So are you going somewhere this morning? (laughs) If you are, the devil wants to hinder you from getting there. But if you're not going anywhere, if you're just a hearer and not a doer, I don't know. Maybe you're not going anywhere. That's between you and the Lord. But the devil is going to attempt to distract those who are hearers and doers, and are headed in the in the direction that God has called them the goal. And he will attempt to keep us from getting there. First um, Timothy five one through first uh, Timothy yeah one five through six. Sorry, uh, says now now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned from the which some having swerved have turned aside onto vein jangling. Um, last summer, I was up, um, there's a, when you go out of Montana into uh, Wyoming towards Yosemite or Yellowstone, there's a pass you go through, it's called the Beartooth Pass. And the pass, the pass I think, is like 10,500 feet or 11,000 feet. So my wife and I were out there, and I have a friend that lives out there. And we decided we were going to go fishing on a lake up in, up near the Beartooth Pass, so we went up there on Friday night, and we camped, and it snowed the next morning, and it was like August 5th or something like that, so so you're way up there. You're pretty high up, and uh, it was pretty chilly the next morning, but we decided we were going to go to this lake, and it was, I don't know how far it was, but it was a long ways, and so we started at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we walked, and we're walking, and we're walking, and we're hiking, and it's it's 10 o'clock in the morning and we're still going and we're walking past these other lakes. And I'm thinking, well, why can't we just stop at fishing fish in on one of these lakes? Why do we have to get to, we keep on walking and walking and walking by more lakes and reservoirs. And I think we walked by like eight or nine of them before finally at noon, we got to the lake we wanted to go to. And I mean, we were walking and hiking. We stopped once or twice to eat briefly, but it was a long ways to go and it didn't seem like we were going to get there and it seemed like there was a lot of places we could have easily just stopped before we got to our destination and probably caught fish but who knows but we had this destination in mind so that's the one we went to and but the bible talks about here that you know that we can easily be turned aside you got to know what your destination is and you can't be discouraged even though it gets hard at times and even though sometimes you get weary and well doing our destination is where we want to get to. And we can't be distracted by the things that maybe look somewhat like our destination or that would be a little easier to go to this place. We caught some nice fish up there, by the way. <laughs> we were caught, caught cutthroat trout that were like that long. So it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty nice and pretty good catch and we ate some, ate some for lunch. But, but the devil wants to distract us from getting to that final destination. Joshua chapter 23 verse 8 it says, "But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done, unto this day." Does anybody else know where the Bible talks about cleaving in the or anywhere else in the Bible that talks about cleaving? When we, whenever there's a marriage, right, it talks about man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Correct. So I found it interesting here that he's saying in Joshua that we need to cleave to the Lord. So cleave, what does that mean? That means to stick or to adhere to or to hold to. Uh, the Bible talks about cleaving to that which is good in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Um, Psalms chapter 137, verse 6 says, Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. But it means to stick or to adhere to or to, to unite or to bring together, united closely. Okay? Constant. You know, he's admonishing us to cleave to the Lord, to stick close to God. You know, this world that we're in, it's changing constantly, and there's a lot of insecurity, and there's a lot of of confusion. But the Lord is the anchor that's going to stabilize us in this world. We need to cleave to God. So how do we cleave to God? James chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. Talks about submitting yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. There's some, this is my wife's favorite word, reciprocity. She says it all the time. I don't think I said it right, but I see that between God and man. There's, there's some give and take in here, right? Many want compensation. Many want the compensation of the closeness without the consecration that creates the closeness. I'll read that one more time. Many want the compensation of the closeness without the consecration that creates the closeness. God wants to be close to you, but you got to draw close, close to him. I mean, he's calling, and he's pursuing you, and that grace is always there and available. But he wants you to have an intimate relationship with him, and you can't be intimate with somebody if you're distant and far away, right? you got to cleave to him. If we're going to be successful through this walk, we got to learn to cleave to Jesus, and we'll have victory in that, and we'll have that closeness so I see there's four words here or five words here that I think we we need to pay attention to. Number one is submit. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Number two is resist. We need to resist the devil and he will flee from us, right? Number three is draw. If we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. Number four is cleanse. We need to cleanse our hands. And number five is purify. Purify our hearts. And I think all these, I don't think you could pull one out and, and still be successful. I think you need all five to have the whole package. They're all interdependent upon each other. You know, we need to learn to submit to God. We resist the world. We draw close to God. We cleanse ourselves. We purify ourselves. We see that in the Old Testament when they, when, in the Order of the Tabernacle. These same things, you know, they, they came to God at the altar, right? They turned, away, they turned away from the world. They came to God at the altar. They drew close to him. They cleansed themselves. They purified themselves. If we want to have victory and be down the path where God wants us to be and be the overcomers God wants us, wants us to be, we need to take note of these five words in our lives. Joshua 23 and 11 says, Take heed talks about taking heed. Taking heed means t- to hedge about. Um, I think it was in Jonathan Project on Wednesday night, Joel, I think it was Joel Thorpe and I were, um, I, I for some reason I just said, we need to circle the wagons. Well, I don't know why, because we sit in a circle in there sometimes. So um, the Knights of the round table, whatever. But uh, I said, let's circle the wagons. And, and, and he had said that, his wife said that when he said that, that that wasn't a term but that truly was a term back in western days when they were when they were going across nebraska and all those and and going out west that every night they would circle the wagon so they could have a had, have a hedge of protection against the indians no offense chief but the indians that wanted to come <laughs> and take their scalps so <laughs> but uh but he says take heed To take heed means to put a hedge about, you know, to make a hedge out of thorns, to keep those things away. So we need to circle the wagons. We need to make sure that we walk circumspectly. Our flesh sometimes can be the enemy within us too. There's the devil and there's also our flesh. So we need to take heed that our flesh doesn't have its way in our lives. Um, The Song of Solomon talks about uh, chapter 1 verse 6 talks about that he took care of the vineyards, but of my own vineyard I neglected. And we need to make sure that we don't neglect our own vineyard and that we walk walk circumspectly, we circle the wagons, we hedge ourselves, we protect ourselves by receiving the word of God, by submitting, resisting, drawing, cleansing, and purifying. Allow the Lord to lead and be willing to allow him by these three things, turning not aside, by clinging to the Lord, or cleaving to the Lord, and by taking heed to ourselves. Again, this is the duty of us as Christians. All right? To fear God and obey his commandments. So God bless you, and we'll change over out of the service.